Welcome to York Hospital Ball and the second part of our lockdown special episode with Gary Mills. In this episode, Gary covers the time after he first left York before his dramatic return to the club in 2016. Gary discusses the difficulties he faced in keeping the club from slipping into National League North, leading the club to Wembley for a third time before his second departure in 2017. If you are enjoying these podcasts, then please consider donating to justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. Justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio help us continue providing a service to people suffering in your hospital. York Hospital Ball is a spin-off of York Hospital Radio and the views of our guests are their own and might not necessarily represent the views of the station. But without further ado, here is part two of York Hospital Ball with Gary Mills. Right Gary, so we, we finished the last interview talking about how it ended at York. Obviously very sad for yourself. Bounce back with, with Gateshead. Uh, just tell us a little bit about that time. Yeah, fantastic time for me, actually. It's a weird one because, again, probably being naive, what I'd achieved at York, I thought, you know, I would get back into work possibly within a few weeks. It was actually six months. Couldn't get a job. No matter what you achieved or what you'd done, it's, uh, again, a learning process that things don't just happen like that. And just out of the blue, I got a phone call from the chairman at, at Gateshead that, uh, said that he wanted me to become the, the new manager of Gateshead. They'd had 50 applications, but he wanted he wanted me to come. So Nottingham to Gateshead, it's not around the corner. I knew Gateshead sort of got three 400 fans in a massive stadium because I'd take my teams there. Not a great atmosphere. So I didn't know whether it was right for me or not. So I spent a week up there with my wife, meeting the chairman, getting to know the area, getting to know the chairman. An unbelievable, beautiful man that I had a great relationship with and said, yeah, I'll become your new manager. And, um, you know, they hadn't won a game when I when I joined. And I went straight to the dressing room and told them that we were going to get into the playoffs. I think a lot of them were laughing at me when I left the room. But we'd done just that. We'll get to part-time then? Uh, no, full-time. So you had a, had a decent contact there with the players? And... Yeah, Gates said we're full-time. Well, that was massive. I wouldn't have gone up there part-time. So that was big for me as well, that they were they were full-time. And just magical people, you know. The northeast. East, uh, I didn't really know as much as probably, again, a bit, little bit naive about the area. But what a fantastic area. Fantastic people. You know, the coast just up the road from... Newcastle and spent you know two happy years there really it was it was fantastic and, you know to get to the the playoff final that first year when um, you know they hadn't won a game when we got there it was an incredible achievement you had a hell of a run didn't you to get to the final as well uh, you know uh, towards the end of the season and then get to the playoff final and I think there was about was there eight and a half thousand I was reading on the um in the, the second leg when you had it at Gateshead I mean that, that compared yeah. to the 400 fans you were talking about when you first went there must have been a, a real good kind of proud moment for you yeah it was the chairman again probably ignorant of me really I, I didn't realise that Gateshead had been in the football league which was probably bad of me but I had to admit it to the chairman in the end and they got chucked out in 1960 of which my chairman was standing you know on the terraces watching them and his ambition was to um, get them back into the football league so um, he said to me I want you to be the man to get us back into the football league I said well I'll, I'll do my best and you know we hit the post when we got to when we got to Wembley and lost in the in the final but it was a again it was a, a magical season for us um, certainly for me and you know I, I remember saying to Darren G couldn't come with me because it was too far so I took Darren Caskey as my assistant been with Darren 17 years uh, so I was gutted he couldn't couldn't come it's it's funny actually when I took Darren to Grantham I said I want you to become my assistant and we went to watch Grantham and he went no way I've got a better team at Dunkirk which is a local team in Nottingham and, and I went come on it's got nothing to do we'll, we'll make them better and anyway we went all the way down to Woking to watch Gateshead I said I got a chance of the, the job and he said the same words again he went they've got no chance why would we want to go up to Gateshead and I said look I'm going I've been out of the game six months I like the chairman I'm going unfortunately he didn't come with me so I took down Caskey and thoroughly enjoyed enjoyed my time there and you know to work with the, the chairman and see us get crowds of 1500 for league games and like you say the, the playoff second leg uh, against Grimsby to get eight and a half thousand 
and, and you know, and get to Wembley. I so wanted to do it for that man. He was a fantastic chairman. But unfortunately, you know, like I say, we lost at we lost at Wembley. Next season, we, we we were doing okay. Actually, it's I'd only been at I'd been at Gateshead for four weeks. They had an approach from Forest Green Rovers. They wanted to to speak to me and take me to um, to Forest Green. So you know, I, I knew personally I didn't think ever I was going to go, but uh, they wanted to speak to me. I spoke to them, and they were talking silly numbers trebling my wages and you know all that sort of stuff i'll never forget when i when i sat down with my chairman at, at gateshead and said i'm not going i want to stay i felt i owed it to him because he he'd put me back in into work and i remember him crying sitting there crying and you know obviously fans don't see this type of thing and it was it was a it was a magic moment, really, and our relationship sort of got stronger and stronger. So, you know, we uh, we had that season, and it was a season where, you know, because we, we had such a bad start, they hadn't won a game. We sort of got to the stage where I said to Darren Kasky, I said, we need 26 points to get in the playoffs, mate, you know, and we had 12 games left. And I said, when you do the maths, I said, that's a lot of wins from 12 games. We've probably got to win nine of the 12. And he went, well, we'll give it our best shot. And you could see the players were, you know, probably not believing it because, like I told them, we're going to get in the playoffs anyway. And I decided travelling down to travelling down from Gateshead to places was a long way. Believe me, I was quite lucky because I used to used to go home and get picked up on the way down from Nottingham. They had to travel all the way from Gateshead, and you know they was ready for a stop when they got to Nottingham, let alone when we got to London or Torquay or places like that. But I decided with these twelve games to go that we needed to do something a little bit different, and we used to stop at um, uh, services, the travel services on the on the motorways. I never liked them, never felt comfortable, and so I decided because I, I, I come from a, a little village in Northampton, just off Junction Six to take them what they play skittles there so it's like table skittles which is like a northamptonshire they have leagues of it and all that so i sort of grew up that with my dad and so i said to darren cassie look we're going to take them to the local play skittles relax them let them have a pint of pint of guinness put no pressure on them to go and win we're playing barnet away who were like flying in the league and we had a couple of pints of guinness we had a game of skittles which they absolutely loved got back on the bus there was laughter there was relaxation and we went and won one nil at a it. I think in about the 75th minute, a lad called Chandler, who was about five foot four, got up and headed the winner from across from John Oster. Remember John Oster? Yeah, I do, yeah. Everton, didn't he, in the Premier League? Yeah. John played for me at Gateshead and he put a cross in with the outside of his foot. Little Chan got up and headed it 1-0 and we didn't look back. We, we won eight and drew four of the last 12 games. 24 points. Uh, 28 points. You, you must have believed from that point then that the momentum really was with Gateshead and I think you came third as well, didn't you? You must have been thinking, you know, with the momentum and obviously previous experience in it with York, that you would you would win the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's funny because we played Cambridge United in the playoff final. We actually played Cambridge last game of the season at home and we beat them 3-0. So, obviously, Gateshead supporters and everybody was getting carried away because we'd beat them 3-0 in the league. Obviously, that counts for nothing when it comes to, to Wembley. It was 0-0 at half-time at Wembley and unfortunately, they got two goals set and half. Jack Lester got one back for us. And then we had two or three unbelievable chances to, to equalise and, and, and we lost 2-1. So obviously I had experience winning there with, with York in the playoff final and experience losing with, with Gateshead. Uh, but it was a, it was a great, great club, great time for me. But just again, you know, for me to do what I'd done at York and then my next job to take Gateshead to, to Wembley for the playoff final was, was a great achievement for me, myself. So you mentioned Forest Green there, and obviously later on Wrexham come in for you. Was that was that a difficult decision to leave Gateshead then? That you know, obviously Wrexham, imagine is is fairly similar potential to York in terms of crowds and and being an ex-league club and stuff like that. Was that just too big a pull to to turn down in the end? I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. My chairman said I need to see you, and I says okay, chairman, I'm coming. So we drove over. We used to meet in a in a pub next to the ground every so often it was called the schooner and we used to sit in the corner and have, have a sit and have a pint together we used to have our, tea, uh, our meetings there and a, and a pickled egg together he loved pickled eggs so and i quite like them so we used to sit there and have a pint and a pickled egg together and discuss right through the season actually and, and this particular meeting so i need to see you so we met up and um he said Wrexham have come in for you Wrexham want to to speak to you and straight away i said i don't want to speak to him i'm happy i was happy as larry I said, I'm happy. I said, I love it up here. We get on great. And he went, no, I want you to go and speak to them, Gary. He says, I'm jacking in. I'm leaving. I'm not doing it anymore. 
70, I think it was 70, early 70s. I think he wanted to spend a bit more time with his with his family. I said, but I don't want to go, Chairman. He went, well, if you stay, I'm not going to be here and the money's going to drop. And Please go and speak to them. I want you to, you deserve to go and speak to Wrexham. So, anyway, so I went to speak to Wrexham, driving back. He rings me and says, Gary, Tranmere want to speak to you. So <laughs> I says, I said, it's incredible. I said, right, okay, I'll go and speak to, to Tranmere. So I spoke to Tranmere, I spoke to Wrexham. Wrexham wanted an answer. They wanted me in very quickly. Tranmere was saying, yes, we want his manager, but we, we, we've just got a couple more interviews to do. You're top of the list at the minute, which I wasn't really comfortable with. But it was sort of a time when I'm thinking, I've got three clubs. Well, I sit here now out of work, and I, I had th- sort of three clubs then, really, that that wanted me sort of thing. So it was a weird a weird time. Um, and I never, ever wanted to leave. But anyway, I decided that because of what the chairman said, and that's the only reason I left Gateshead, because my chairman who took me in there actually told me to get out of there. So that's what I've done. And when I spent a, a couple of years at Wrexham. And, and obviously, you know, Wrexham didn't, didn't quite work out for you. I think you came eighth, didn't you, in the full season you had with them. What went wrong at Wrexham? Why? Because... I would imagine that, like I say, the similarities with York, that, that that would be an ideal job for you to kind of take on. You've got the experience, you, you know, particularly I, I imagine the budget compared to Gateshead was a lot bigger. And why did it not quite work out? Was it just not a good fit? Budget wasn't bigger than Gateshead, not at all. Wrexham was a difficult club. Wrexham still believe, and they are a big club and history, but it's history. And, you know, they couldn't get it around the heads, similar to, to York as in, the length of time they were out of the league, that they weren't a league club, that they was in the league. And the same as I said when I went to, to York, you, you know, you've got to relish and you've got to realise you're in the league. You're not a football league club. We need to get back to being a football league club. And it was the same at Wrexham, but the, the Wrexham fans couldn't accept that. And, you know, to the extent where we'd win a game and still get booed off and it was so intense... It, it it wasn't a relaxed atmosphere which we had at York. Was that difficult for the players to express themselves then? Yeah, the and game? didn't really let me get on with the job my way. It was always like being interfered. The, the press were immense, you know, they were like on top of you all the time and scrutinising. And so that, you know, because they believed how, what a massive club they are. That, and I remember when I was sitting with the with the press the, the, the day that they announced I was manager, they were saying things like, you do, ex- you do know the expectation at this football club, you know, anything less, not enough, anything less than this and that type of thing. And, you know, even then, straight away, it was a, it was a tough challenge, but a tough challenge that I wanted, a tough challenge that I set out to do. And again, the time I got wasn't enough. It, it wasn't enough. As in, as in football these days, you know, you, you don't really get two years and if you haven't achieved anything, you're out of the job. And, and that's what happened at Wrexham. But, you know, to, to be able to be out of work on the, the Thursday and then back in to work on the Saturday. They always say never go back to your, to your old club. I mean, obviously you went back to play for Nottingham Forest in two spells. Did you have any hesitation about going back to York City? None at all. And I think I said in the first part, if they asked me to go back now, I'd go back again. You know, it's, it's a special club. It's one that I feel is right for me. Still do. So if the offer was there or the chance again, then... You know, I, I would do it again. You know? Not, not at all. And, and purely and simply, it's for the football club. It's got something about it. Again, for me, it's, it's probably hard to explain. And people, you know, it's in there. It's in me. Something special about it that it's, um, it just feels right for me. So going back, and, and most people always said, "Don't go back." But people very close to me, "Don't go back." But I wanted to go back for for the right reasons. Did, uh, what was that first meeting like? with Jason McGill what was that first contact like because obviously you mentioned in the first part that he didn't really thank you for your job and that obviously hurt you with your first spell did you have was it awkward the first time you, you met him again or, or was it just you know you're there to do a job yeah you know the chairman he asked me back but I wasn't going back obviously there has to be a, a relationship between the manager and the chairman but I wasn't going back for the chairman I was going back for myself to to get straight back into work but also like I'm saying, York York is right for me, and I, I still and it always will be. But I, I mentioned earlier on this, when we went up to the football league, my chairman changed. He stopped kissing me. He stopped hugging me. He stopped coming in before games. It was he was totally a different man, totally different man. Whereas when we was in the, the conference, 
he, he used to come see me every day. He used to want to meet me. He used to ring me. It was so intense, but it worked. But it worked. We were like the best of friends. And that changed. And the reason I'm telling you all this is coming to, I got a call on the, the Saturday lunchtime. The man said, do you know who this is? And I went, no. And he said, it's Jason McGill. And I went, hi, chairman, because I'll always call him, call him mm. chairman. He said, would you like to come back to York? And I went, yeah. And he went, well, okay. The only thing is Jackie McNamara is going to stay on in a job here. And I went, well, it's not an issue to me. That's not an issue. He said, well, can you come up tonight? Because we've got a train tomorrow and we've got a big game on Monday night. So I drove up Saturday and we met at the hotel on the outskirts of York. Sat down there, discussed. He told me the contract. I said, yeah. No issues whatsoever. Didn't have to negotiate nothing. There was no problem with that. And I think when Jackie, I think Jackie went to the toilet or he went somewhere, the chairman said to me, he said, you do realise why I stopped coming in the room and, you know, sort of, we didn't have the same relationship. And I went, no, I don't to this day. And he went, it's because when you went, we went to Benidorm, you didn't come out for a drink with me and my dad. You went with the players, not with me and my dad. And I went, you are joking me. And he went, no. And I went, well, let me tell you this, Chairman. I said, when I was in Benidorm, yes, the first night, and I don't even think you went out, I went out for a drink with the players because I'd worked all year with my players and I wanted to have a drink with them. And we deserved that. I said, after that, I said, I was in my bedroom for two nights. I said, I was that drained. I said, I didn't go out. So I wasn't out with the players. I said, I was in my room and I actually shed a few tears. I was that drained. So I think it was like the come down from, from everything that had happened, which celebrated the trophy, which celebrated the, but it was the whole season. After the, the Luton game, I mean, you sunk to your knees, didn't you, on the pitch? And that's quite an iconic picture, I think, for York City fans. And that, that was almost like the emotion pouring out of you. And, and I think people recognise that you, you, you would have been drained from that season. It was an emotional season, even in celebration. Yeah, but it, it's the human body can only take so much. And just I was just coming down and it was it was a total. It wasn't like a breakdown, but it was it felt like that. And I had to get one of my mates who came on that trip with us to come in my bedroom because I didn't feel safe. And I know this sounds a bit dramatic, but that's how it was. So for my chairman to say that I didn't go for a drink with him and his dad was like, what? I cannot believe what, what you're saying to me. But anyway. You, you asked him anyway, didn't you? You said, is there anything wrong? Back did, in yeah. two, you know, yeah. 2013. I mean, if you'd have just said that, you'd have said, well, you'd have just told that story there and it would have been. But anyway, that, that was that. And then that was it. The matter of getting on with the job. I, I had a game on the Monday night, my first game. You know, obviously I hadn't signed my contract, so I was sort of working without signing my contract. And that was sorted out later, later that week. So we played that, that first game, Curzon Ashton, meeting the players on the on the Sunday, which was a, you know, I went in and there was a list of 30 players on the on the wall and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I asked Steve Torpy at the time, who'd obviously been there and knew them, and I said, right, I want 11 players for this game tomorrow night, who can I trust? And his answer was, I don't think you can trust any of them. Did uh, you prefer to operate on a small squad? Norman. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned about Forrest earlier that you only had 17 players and even that's better absolutely. for the camaraderie. And the... Yeah, because I also mentioned you know, the toughest job is keeping the ones that aren't playing happy. So if you're going to have 30-odd players, there's a lot of players to keep happy there. And it wasn't right. You know, the, there's a lot of injuries. There's a lot of lads that... Uh, it wasn't a good squad. Hence, you know, what was happening. I knew, I said to the chairman... I need to bring players in. How quickly I can get them in, the better. But it wasn't it wasn't a good, healthy squad, not at all. No, because I, you know, I look back at that time and I and I, I wondered whether you you toyed with the idea of sticking with those players because it was such a big squad. But but obviously you you knew that those players weren't good enough to keep York in the league. And was Jason kind of aware of that? Was he like, well, whatever you need to do, do it to kind of preserve our our status? I think. You know, I think you as a fan probably watched that in that season. So I went to guys the Angate said when they got beat six one. So I knew that squad wasn't wasn't good enough, as did everyone. Well, you've just answered the question, and, and they weren't. And and you know, I had to try and change that, and and it took me longer than I wanted, but it wasn't it wasn't easy to do that. We had to stick in there as much as we could until I could do that, 
and I managed to to get a squad together around Christmas time that that year. And you know, I think from then on we went on to, and I think I mentioned to to you earlier that point ratio we we finished fourth from that time onwards once I got that squad together I just wish I'd got that squad and I'd been there from the start of the season because uh, who knows you know um, and to go to go down on the way we did I felt sorry for the lads that I brought in because you know for me they played so well with we, you know and yes we had the odd and particularly late on once we'd got ourselves out of the bottom four to lose to my old club I think Bromley at home 2-0 but it was a it was a tough season. It was a tough season and I just wish we could have just finished it off. Because I think it was about 12 games before you got your first win of your second spell. Was that quite difficult to, to kind of attract those players initially? Because in the end, you, you know, Mary Morgan Smith, John Parkin, Reese Murphy, Simon Lappin, getting Parslow back, Sean Newton obviously was a massive signing for you. Scott Loach as well. These are really good players that, that kind of yeah. did a really good job. But did it take a bit longer time to get those sort of players in? Was it hard to attract people to a team that had lost 6-1 at Geisley a few weeks before? Absolutely. It was, like I say, longer than I wanted to convince people to come to, to York. You know, I think some of them would have done their homework on me. Obviously, Parky had been to the club before and, and you know, thoroughly enjoyed working with him. He'd come and done what I asked him to do and that was score goals get the dressing room together because the dressing room was poor. When I got when I arrived, it was poor. There was no banter. There was no spirit. Everybody was blaming everybody else. Everybody was blaming the physio because they weren't fit. Everybody, I've never seen, honestly, anything quite like it. And, and it took a lot of hard work to get that squad together in the end. But we were very, very close to a squad that I knew we could go and achieve. And we did. We won the trophy. And like I say, I know I keep bringing it up because it's important to me that that point ratio of fourth from there was something that, you know, I like sometimes sit there reading and sometimes staring into space thinking, if I'd got that squad from the start of the season, who knows? And this is dream stuff, I know. And, you know, we can all dream it. But I was thinking maybe we might have gone and done the double again. Who knows? Well, I think as a bare minimum, I think the team would have stayed up, which is which is kind of yeah. what York fans would have would have taken from now. I'm sure. I mean, one thing that I, I noticed, I mean, there was some really big wins in there as well, wasn't there? Southport at home, five three, when it was kind of three one down. I think after half an hour, Macclesfield away three one, Chester away two 0 These were fantastic wins. It felt like your style had changed almost from your first spell, and I didn't know whether that was because of the plays you had at your disposal or whether yeah. your spells at Gateshead and, and Wrexham maybe had changed you. Look, I think I need. Needed, we needed points to stay up. If I was going to get John Parkin, the likes of John Parkin, and I was going to play the same system, which which is what I've done, basically. I wanted to get back to the system that I love, that I feel works with and without the ball. Parky was, if if Amari made a run in behind and was out of position, Parky wasn't going to go and then chase, chase their fullback all the way back into our half. I needed a player like John Parkin where I knew not only would he bring me goals, but he would bring something to a dressing room that was, was lacking so much. You have to have a you have to have a good dressing room. And from and from the moment I met John, you know, I had to manage John in the way that you have to manage players. And he was fantastic. He was fantastic. And, and we got we got on great together. But I wanted him to you know, from the first game, played Tranmere and lost in the last minute. We could have won that game, you know. I thought for them to come in and thought we played well that day against a, a team who, who were up there. But at the end, it was John who, who said something before I did. You know, and basically, that's why they're top of the league and that's why we're bottom of the league. Because simple things, and we talk about simplicity in footballers, stopping that cross in the 91st minute at Tranmere, there's that point we needed. And I, and I know you can look back on a season, but as a manager and as a person... You you know, even now, I look back on things like that. We just stopped that cross at Tramway in, in John's first game. And John said that without me. So that's the type of thing I needed to create in a dressing room at York to give us any chance. Because we let me say, say this now, there's no way we would have gone to the last game against Forest Green if I'd stuck with the 30 players that I saw on that board when, when I first walked in. Because it would have been a lot earlier, without doubt. Was that difficult to sort of say with Jackie there in the background? Because obviously these are players that he, He's recruited himself in the summer. Was it was that awkward, or, or was it just I'm going to have to be honest here and just get this? I've been employed to to try keep the club up, and this is the best way to do it. Yeah, it, it was awkward. I'm not going to lie, it was awkward. Possibly not healthy 
me and Jackie got on okay, but there was, you know, there's quite a bit of Scottish element in the, in the club as well. And, you know, some of these players and, you know, York supporters probably won't hear, didn't really want to be there. Didn't really want to be there. And certainly when I came in, whether it was the, they come down for Jackie and he persuaded them and then didn't want to play because I'd come in as manager. But I don't mean this in a nasty way, but for me as a manager, some of them weren't good enough anyway. And Some of them you did utilise, like Sean Rooney and Aidan Connolly seem to play a fair amount of you. Maybe not in the first team, but remember both of them came. Well, Rooney came on at Wembley, didn't he? And, and Conley scored the winner. So you yeah. know, so if you did think they were good enough, you did, you would play them, sort of thing. Exactly that. Exactly that. But you know, I felt a lot of them were individuals and weren't team players. Football's a team game, you know. And, and the team we had back in 2012, that was a team. That was a squad. That was a proper, proper squad. Proper people. Proper team. It was too many individuals, and I, I had to change that that mindset in the dressing room, and I had to upset a few people and to make decisions with Jackie there in the background I had to do it regardless of what he thought you know I had to do that You mentioned about looking back at those games and I, I kind of do that as a supporter as well and the Bromley home game for me was one that I felt slipped away and, and the, the Wrexham game was really interesting as well for me because there was so much kind of vitriol from, from Wrexham fans that day towards yourself that must have really hurt you as, a, as an individual Yeah it's not nice it's not nice but football supporters you know and, and if, if you're going to be a football manager you've got to have broad shoulders and you know you cannot let it affect I like to feel I'm a nice person and, and you know I've got feelings and, and all football managers have so it's not it's not nice but hey I went to Wrexham it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out I still believe it would have done given the you know longer but I'm back at the club where I'd rather be in this dugout than that one and that's that's how life is Did you think that maybe the run in the FA trial Trophy maybe made it a little bit harder in the league because because you were playing so many games. Obviously, linking the two legs of that, one of them went to extra time. And you know, do, do you think that might have drained the players towards the end, or, or are you a firm believer that winning football matches, you know, breeds confidence and everything? No, I, I believe I believe as as I did in the first first time. I believe that the the FA Trophy was was massive to what we achieved back in back then, and I believe that the FA Trophy would be massive for us in staying up because you know you're winning that, you're getting towards. Wembley players get a good feeling the supporters get a good feeling players start to believe in themselves a little bit more they start to to smile maybe a little bit more because you know we could achieve something here so yeah I'm, I'm a big believer that you know the trophy was a was a big help I have done from day one I, I don't I don't get any club that sort of belittles the FA trophy I think it's a fantastic competition it's the FA Cup of non-league and when you look at how many teams start in the FA trophy to go on and win it it's some achievement you know we've done it twice you mentioned there about, about team spirit obviously John Parkinson in his book about um, the Dover away game that, that a few players maybe had one too many the day before is, is that often linked to I know some York fans have sort of mentioned about that but is that kind of linked to, to success really you know because Michael Ingham says about a few players went for it went for a drink was it in the Hyde Park the day before the, the Newport game but because we won that game and because we did the double no, nothing's mentioned about that and then because the Dover game is seen as oh well if we'd have won, won there then we would have stayed up but Dover at the time was a, was a real big point, wasn't it? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a football manager and what I like about football manager is we've all got different ideas, we've all got different ways with all, of, of how to manage. Somebody can't say to you, this is how you've got to manage. This is what you've got to do. I was brought up by being relaxed playing. I was brought up by the best manager this country has ever seen, in my opinion. He used to take us for a pint on a Friday. It took us to Mallorca for a week's holiday and we didn't train once the week before the European Cup final. It took us into a bar on the Monday and Tuesday before the European Cup final on the on the Wednesday to, you know, me uh, training. Peter Shilton wanted to train, so Cluffy says, there you go, son, there's a bag of balls and I was volleying balls at him on a roundabout in Madrid somewhere we weren't I, I don't I this is me personally as a, as a manager you know everybody now gets carried away with and, and I think I mentioned earlier that I'm a manager that goes about my players my team my club how good we are not how good I don't want to hear how good the other team are how good the right back or left back is that I'm playing against or how good their centre forward is I always have and always will do you know manage the team that I manage and get the best out of my team and particularly the level of, of, of conference where they're good players but they don't want to be told so that's what I've done it that's what I've done at York you know we trained hard together we had a beer together we used to go to a restaurant and have a bite to eat together I took the night before we won at Wembley in the playoff final I took the players to a local pub by the river 
and, and we sat in the garden at the river and telling jokes around the wooden beer tables with a, with a pint of Guinness and Jibo, I think I bought the beer and Jibo bought the crisps. And, you know, the players, the players sat drinking a beer and, and I think they had two, maybe three pints of Guinness the night before. But it's not. Let me say this, and, and every York fan that's listening, everything I'd done, whether it was the first stint I was there or the second stint, was geared towards getting three points and getting a result. Not for any other reason. No other reason. I managed to get football results. Now, if I think this is the way to do it, I've done that, I said, when I went to Gateshead, if we need to get this, we need to relax these players or more. The last thing in my Gateshead players was, we need 27 points out of 12 games. You know how many we'd have got if I'd have told them that? And, and, and if I'd have put up how good Barnet are, and if I'd have put and said, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that, it's all man management, isn't it, really? Man management, but it's my way. And, you know, people can say to me about a drinking culture. No, I had to manage John Parry. And I actually said to John, I said, John, what, what do you normally do on a Friday? Mate? He said, oh, I'll have six pints. I said, what, before like playing on the Saturday? Oh, six. I says, well, do you fancy having six pints before we, before we play Dover then? What, what do you mean? I said, well, if that's what you normally do. I said, you ain't done bad on it in your career, mate. So... I man- managed John like that, and I think, you know, John mentioned about that in his book, but I think he also mentioned that I was probably the best man manager that he'd, he'd, he'd worked with. So people will always look on the negative, and all I say to the York fans is, who, who want to judge or perceive what it was all about, it was all done for the right reasons, and it was all done because I believe managing managing players in the right way. And I, I couldn't manage Dan Parslow. If I said Dan Parslow drink six pints then he, he, he wouldn't get up on the Saturday to be able to play. You know, whereas John got up, slapped his face, got on there and played exactly the same as he would whether he drank six pints of water because that was John Parkin and done it at the top at the top level, the same, the same thing. So people will always judge, people always perceive, but I, I manage in, in a way that, you know, I relax my players, but it's done in a professional professional way for the right reasons thank you just to bring it on to that that forest green game at the last home game how confident were you of, of getting a result in that were you worried that it was coming down to the last game of the season or were you thinking forest green had, i think they were in the playoffs so they were possibly think had one eye on that it was at Boovan crescent which would be a big crowd you'd kind of got your team together they're on good form what were you thinking going into that game? Were you concerned at all or were you real positive? Because you are quite a positive person, aren't you? And I think throughout your time at York, so you've always been quite, quite bullish in, in things that you've done. The whole season was tough. It, the, 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 every game, for a different reason, was tough. If we'd won, the others had won. Or, you know, yeah. it sort of, turned, sort of panning out that way, if you like. And I think the Woking, we know how big the Woking game was away to get a result there because mentally... Going into that last game against Forest Green, we were actually, it was out of our hands. So we were going into the game in the bottom four, rather than being fifth and bottom, knowing that do this, you know. So there's always that, as a player, I had that once at Leicester, where it was out of our hands. And going into a game as a player, and certainly going into a game as, as, as a manager, there's more pressure, you know, you mentally inside, it's difficult because you want to know how the others are getting on. You want to know, you know, what's happening, what's... And How aware were you of the Geyser game, then, for instance? Were you up to date? Up? I didn't want to know too much. Actually, Mark Cooper was, was telling me more than anybody else, who was obviously the manager. manager. Yeah, and I know Coops anyway, but it, we knew we had to get a result one way or another. I never, ever thought a draw would be enough. I, th- I thought, from the word go, we need to win, not, not draw. But... We were drawing, and in the 90th minute, Sean Newton turned to me and says, Gaffer, no, do we need to score? I said, no, we're okay. We're, we're okay. You know, I didn't want us to go gun-ho and, and end up losing again. And it was coming through to me that we're, we're okay. You know, guys are losing. And I was waiting for the whistle to go. I was waiting for that whistle to go, which to say, we've done it. And my kit man, who was listening to all the blesses art, you know, and I think we were in the 90-odd minute, whatever it was, he said they've scored. And I remember shouting to Sean Newton, now we need to score. And I think he actually had one chance with about 30 seconds to go to do just that. And when I look at the goal that Geisley, the own goal, it was, ah, and I know it's not just about, it's not just about that day. It was about the whole season, but we were so close and I've never felt in my life, and you probably haven't, when that final whistle went. The silence. 
the silence I can see it's still here now it was something I never want to witness ever ever again and I just wanted to go in the center circle and, and say sorry to because we'd worked we'd worked so hard and a time like that is then people want to start blame and reasons why and you know and, and, and different it's not it's not the time to do it I, the squad that I'd got together they gave me everything and and all I could say to your fans is they give everything for the for the fans as well. I don't think I don't think they could question that, to be honest. No, and I think someone like Vidin Oliver probably epitomised that. You know, someone who had not had a great time at York, didn't have a great relationship with the fans, but you got him playing, running through a brick wall for you. You know, like you like you did in 2012 with most of the players. You know, yeah. And, and just that, you know, with with Vidin, you know, I was told don't don't have him back. He's he's, he's a bad egg. He's he's bad news. It, it inspired me to. And now I see Vidane, I went to watch him at Northampton a few weeks ago. Northampton played at home and that's where he's, that's where he's playing now. He went to Morecambe. Morecambe phoned me and said, what about Vidane Oliver? And I said, take him, take him. Because I said to Vidane, I'll get you back in the Football League. Hopefully with York, if not with York, I'll get you back in the Football League. It'd gone. It, it totally lost everything. So that, you know, I had that to deal with, with, with Vidane, but he was too good a player for, for the level for, for us to say, for me to listen to people and go, you're not for me, mate. And me and Vidane got a great relationship. I told him I was going to get him to Wembley for the first time. And he, he went and scored at Wembley. So he's got that on his CV. So so proud of him because he was in a dark place, Vidane was, and been told that he wasn't wanted and been told that he wasn't a good player. And, and I was proud of, you know, how, we, how he came through it. So, you know, all the, that squad in the end, the devastation in the dressing room at the end was, was, was difficult because obviously then we still had the trophy to to go and play for. Yeah, how, how difficult was that to kind of motivate the players and, you know, obviously that, that's such a, a devastation, like you say, for the club and but then Wembley, although I think York City fans would have swapped getting an extra point to stay up than having the Wembley. I think, like you said before, you know, you can't turn your nose up at playing at Wembley or playing for a trophy and, and, and kind of, you, you did a really good job to kind of inspire them to kind of get motivated for it, but was that difficult to do? Yeah, look, it, it's man management, whether it's with the players or whether it's with the fans and what I will say is, we won that day and the fans were incredible and, and I think they had a, a lovely day out. What happened was, because we, I think we had a three-week break, it was a long break, so I said to the players, go and have a holiday. I went away, I went to, I went to Greece for a week. Um, we needed to get away from, from York, really, you know, because you were going to bump into people in the street and you're going to be reminded. And what had happened had happened. It's like anything in life. You have to look forward and you have to, you have to be positive and, and, and make things, turn things around, you know. So I didn't want my players around York, really, to bump into people whether they're waiting to get a paper in the shop. or So I said, go away, get yourself to Spain for a week. And then we still had a couple of weeks when we come back. And I tried to turn it around in a way that Wembley was the start of the next season, not the end of, not the end of this one. Um, Did you know at that point that you'd be staying then? Did you, cause I don't, I don't know how long your contract was. Were you? No, uh, no, I, I didn't. What happened was again, my chairman <coughs> came in, we had a conversation straight after the, in my office, straight after the, um, the forest green game, which wasn't a good time to be honest, but my chairman put, something in front of me that I, I didn't accept and he said he told me I had to sign it within three or four days otherwise I wouldn't have a job and I went so you mean you don't want me to take the team to Wembley and he went that's correct if you don't sign it so I said well I can't sign what you're asking me to do here and obviously I can't tell you what they were but there were certain clauses that just weren't acceptable and I said I'll tell you what I'll do I'll give this contract to the League Managers Association, which I'm a member of, and they always do my contract anyway, so they check over a contract. And they just laughed at what was the clauses in the contract and said, nobody in the right mind is going to, to agree to this. So I remember Jackie ringing me in Greece and saying, you've got till tomorrow to agree this. I said, well, it's with the LMA. It's with the Managers Association. I can't until they tell me. I felt like you were undermined, really, with the... The clauses and I would have been undermined. Yes, I would have been undermined. So it was close. It was it was very close to me. Possibly not walking the team out at Wembley. It was very very close. But again, you know, the club had got to Wembley, so it wasn't about me who, who was walking them out. But what it was about was about me wanting to be at York. And and although we'd gone down, you know, I wanted to get them back, back up. up. I, I knew the, I knew the National North League. I've been there. I've been there. I've managed around that. Down. I've managed North, I've managed 
conference. You, you got Tam, Tam with out of National League North, didn't yes. you? Yes, yeah. So I know, I know, I know what it's like. I know the grounds. I knew what you know. It was always going to be a difficult time, and and we, you know, you got the devastation of, of you know double relegation, if you like. So it's not it's not a nice time. But I wanted to be there. I wanted to get them get them back up. But again, if I'm being quite honest, and again, I think this a little bit now, and I might be wrong, I might be off the mark, that the relationship possibly with Jackie, with the fans, wasn't a good one. I feel that possibly the chairman brought me back because I had such a good relationship with the fans and probably thought, I don't, this is me and I might be wrong, I don't know if he brought me back because for the right reasons to manage, I think a little bit might have been because... He wanted the fans to see me coming back and it was a great feeling for me coming back. But anyway, I, I, I wanted to stay regardless of that. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think the relationship wasn't what it was, but then it wasn't. And that's why I was surprised I got the phone call to come back. So that all got ironed out then, that all got sorted and... What, the... The contract and everything, you were happy yeah, with? Yeah, I signed, I, signed, I signed my contract. I was happy with it. So, you know, yeah, I was, I was there carrying on. To, to do the job and, and you know it was early days and the, the same old that happens at a lot of football clubs that you lose an FA Cup game and so many you look at the ratio of managers that lose the jobs after after an FA Cup game um, well I, I have this this theory about about that obviously we beat Salford in the in the previous round and I think if you if York City had lost at Salford and not played South Shields because South Shields was seen as a huge upset obviously at the time that you might well have have kind of continued in the job a lot longer, but I don't know how it, your thoughts on that theory. Again, I, you know, obviously now somebody had been tapped up for my job anyway. Uh, uh, so it because, probably would have been irrelevant. But I think he would name two hours after I'd got the sack. But South Shield, I knew it was going to be a tough game. They had some good players. In fact, they had four players I had at Gateshead, so I knew they had good players. They were flying in their league. It's a tight little ground with thousands. It's the FA Cup. You know, we made it difficult for ourselves in the first half where, we, you know, we're 2-0 down. We get back to 2-2 and then the last minute goal come back to haunt us again. And we lost and, you know, I was driving down the motorway and I got a phone call to say that I'd lost my job. So, listen, I'm in football right, and I understand people have to make decisions and they, you know, and they feel they're making them for the right reasons. But I'm in football as, as a manager and I know what my capabilities are. And, you know, yes, we hadn't had greatest of starts, in the, but we, we, it was early days. It, it was early days. And, and there was always going to be, I feel, and I, I, I had a chat with this with Darren Caskey about it, that, you know, we're not, hopefully we will, but we're going to be lucky if we go and win the first six games and say, oh, well, York should be doing that anyway. I think it was always going to be a transition of maybe a dozen to 15 games for everybody, not only players, but fans to get used to your Bradford Park Avenue grounds. And, and well, that, well, that was it. I mean, you know, when it, I was at the Bradford game and winning 5-0 and I, in my head I thought, oh, this is what it's going to be like every week. And, and I didn't know kind of how competitive some of these teams were and, and how many of them, you know, would, would want to kind of beat York as it being their cup final and... And obviously Harrogate and Salford were strong as well. So it was turning out to be a tough season. But do you believe that we'd have got up out if you'd have stayed? Yeah, because I, I had players who wanted to play for me. You know, I, I worked so hard to get them players to stay. That was my toughest job, you know, at the start of that season. To get the likes of, of Parkey, to get the likes of Pars and all these to, to stay. Like I say, by then we'd we'd got a good dressing room, we've got a good spirit. They could play certainly for the level that we we're going into. So, you know, they were men. They were men that could handle going into the, the conference north. So for that for that 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 level that we'd gone into, you know, we had a good we had a good side. So oh, without listen, without doubt again. And people say, well, but you don't know that. But when you're a manager, you do. And and. You have to be honest. And at any stage in my 22 years of management, I felt we're not going to do anything with this squad. You've got to do something about it. And that's exactly what I had to do when I first came into York the second time. But that's something you have to do so quickly. And you can't think, oh, we might get away with it because you won't get, you won't get away with it. So that's, that's a massive part of the job. But not for one minute. Once I persuaded these players, and the nice thing for me is they wanted to play for me. Without naming names, I probably had three, four say to me, 
Gaffer, I'm staying because you're staying. I want to play for you. And that's that, that's lovely. That's not being described as a York City Football Club because they want to stay and play for York as well. But I was so close with, like I said, 90% of my players that, you know, a lot of them want to come back and play for me again and they want to play for me. And, you know, that's, that's a great feeling for me. But I, I do work hard at that. And, you know, whether that's me letting John Parkin have a have a pint on the Friday or whether it's me letting Dan Parslow go and propose to his wife for two days instead of letting him train you know my door was always open and players if they asked me for a day off for whatever reason because the wife didn't like going shopping shopping at Sainsbury's or wherever he wanted him to do it I go and, I said go and do it then go and do it then because I knew what I was going to get on the Saturday and I know some of this might sound a little blase and stuff like that but you know you have to understand that that's the type of trust we had that they knew they could come and knock on my door and say, can I speak to you, Gaffer? And I, yeah, of course you can. Always, always. And it was the ones who didn't knock on my door were maybe the ones that I knew had to go. Which, which sacking hurt you the most? Was it the one in your first spell or your second spell? The first one. First one, without doubt. After we got relegated against Forest Green and the contract thing, you know, there wasn't a good atmosphere between. So you weren't surprised almost when it when it happened. No, I wasn't. I wasn't really surprised. I was sort of. I never really saw my chairman, and like I say, the the year we got promoted, I saw too much of him. It, it was an unbelievable. It, it was incredible. You know, I'd walk in for training, he'd be sitting in my office. He used to come in before. You know, so all that I had all that, and then when we got into the football league, that changed. And that's why I'm surprised he asked me back. And I've just explained possibly the reasons why. Uh, that was a difficult one. But definitely, oh, the first, because I'd still got... All, all I was thinking about was getting out of the League Two. I wasn't thinking of going out of League Two that way. I was thinking of going up the way. And learning by what we'd done that season and learning, you know, we were talking about, look, next season we need to get this in, we need to get that in. And that's I was building. I was building for that in my head, and with with Darren G. Um, so the first one, yeah, without without that, because it was a shock. It was a massive. The first person to ring me was was Martin O'Neill. He was the first person to ring me and said, "What they've done to you at York is even worse, Gary." I, but just let me tell you, you'll be okay, mate. So, and I hadn't spoke to Martin maybe for two or three years, and he just said, "You've done an unbelievable." unbelievable job it's disgraceful what's 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 happened so you know that was that was nice from martin but it was it was a tough it was a tough time for me because i loved the place so much i'd 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 i've got a passion for it. i still have and if you can I don't know if you can feel I that can but, tell. <laughs> but, but i still have i still have because it's a, it, it's a special place and i didn't like obviously i went to wembley three times and won three times and that's fantastic and obviously soured a little bit that I was the manager that you know the day we went down against Forest Green but and I mean this and it's not about me or who the chairman is or who's the chairman not who's, who's going to be it's about your city football club and it's a special special club you know the chance to do it again I, I'd do it again and I think that says everything you know that I don't I don't hold grudges I'd like to I like to be to be honest with people I like to tell them how, how I think it is in my in, in my opinion and sometimes that can go for you, sometimes it can go against you. After your first spell, obviously, you had a bit of time out of the game and then you got back with Gateshead and that, that was kind of like your almost a period to, to put York City in the sacking out of your head. You haven't had that opportunity since you've left York in the second spell. So you mentioned, I think, in the start of the first interview that, that you are gagging to get back, so that you are still actively wanting to, to manage again. And Have you been close to any jobs or... Are you, are you still on the lookout? I'm still on the lookout. I've I've applied for a few jobs. I had a few few interviews, but no success. And you know, CV is not too bad. You know, it's just got a thing where I talk about how I like to manage and how I like to do things. And you know, even the level of Conference North. You know, you're being told, well, when you come in and you need to do a PowerPoint. You know, I'm like, well, PowerPoint's in my head. This is where you manage. This is where you. And a lot of it now, a lot of chairmen are impressed by people that can talk and people that can show things. And, you know, it's, it's about doing it. It's about, I'm a man manager. I'm a man manager. That's totally what, what I am. I'm not a coach, but I can coach. I can, I can put sessions on. I like to have a coach. Darren Kasky, for instance, unbelievable. 
and I like to manage. I'll, I'll say to a player, come and see me after training. and say, what do you want, Gaff? I say, I just want to talk to you for an hour. You know, what you've been doing and how's, how's your family? And, and, you know, yeah, can I go now, Gaff? I say, no, no, I'm too, you know, that type. <laughs> so I'm, I'm managing a way that I do. When I went to do my A-licence at, at St George's, we had some incredible, you know, Robbie Fowler was there, Peter Schmeichel was there, Dwight York was there. It was all top, top professionals. And they were telling us that, you know, you can't manage this way. You can't. So we all had to put sessions on. And then they'd pull you and say, but you can't manage that way. You've got, I'm going, yeah, that's the way I manage. That's, and obviously you pick up, pick up things. And you almost like robots. It was incredible. Because we've done it in two sessions, two stages. We've done a two week and then we've done a one week. Well, the two week one is when, you know, you was getting all this. No, you've got to do it this way. You can't do it that way. But we're all different. And then we went back the second time, it was almost like they'd changed completely. They'd like, right, now we want you to do it your way. We want you to do, and it was, it was incredible, it was incredible really. But it was like, you've got to be robots. And, and, I, and I feel now that that's sort of what it is when people go for, for interviews, you know. And it's almost like, they say, send your CV in. It's almost like your CV doesn't count for anything. Why does someone like you have to go on an A licence? Basically, you have to have your A licence to manage championship, League 1, League 2. If you're going to manage in the in the premiership, you have to um, have, a, have the, the last pro licence above that. Um, so it's just a manage, matter of you have to tick the boxes. Ticking the box, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, if you go to a league club and they say, right, brilliant, you've got your licences, you say, yeah. I've got, you know, you've got showing your life. So you have to, you have to have them. Do you but, think chair, chairman are now looking for, for people that are, that are maybe younger then that, that can use a PowerPoint? Is that, is that kind of, because that, you know, I was looking at, you know, someone like yourself, like you say, you've got, a, you know, a CV that's up there with anyone in National League North or National League. And that there's other people as well, like Steve Burr and Neil Aspin that I noticed are out of work that are, that are good, good managers that have had good experience at that level as well. Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. I mean, you know, all the PowerPoint. I mean, I struggled to get on Zoom with you today. So <laughs> what chance have I got to do with PowerPoint? You know? <laughs> but I, I do. And it's almost like I want to say, you know, this doesn't bring you success. And, you know, a lot of these want to spend time on the train on the training field doing shape and all that because they feel, and I'm not knocking, if, that, if they feel that that's right, but then also then show your CV with, with that now of what you achieve by doing it that way. And, and, and I, all I can say is, you know, I'm proud of, of what I have done, the way I do do it, with what I have got on my, on my CV. You know, it's, it's, it's something I'm really passionate about doing again. Uh, I'll try and whisper that a little bit because my wife, she's quite happy that I'm less stressed. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully one day there'll be a chairman that would, would say, you know, meet me in the corner for a pint and a pickled egg and here's the job. In a game of Skittles. In a game of Skittles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think that will happen? Do you, do, you think, do you think you'll manage again? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I, does, it, does it matter to you about what level? Is it, is it just the right club for you, really? That you, that you know you what, no. No, obviously the club has to be right. But you know what, no. No, I, 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 I'd like to go and manage, you know, and, and make a club successful wherever that, wherever that may be. But I just feel you get to, a, you know, certain managers for certain levels. And, and I feel conference, conference North, conference South is what I'm good at. It's almost like making players better at a level where they believe they should be playing so that you don't get the best out of but they're better than that. But they're better yeah. than that. And it's getting, getting the maximum from themselves. And, and you would have seen a lot of players in the past, you know, playing for York, but they don't get the best out of themselves because they feel they can't go on anywhere. And it's probably like they're at the end of the road, well, I can't go any further anyway, so why should I, why should I chase a left-back down? Do you know what I mean? And, and mm. it's, they can. You've got, to get, you've got to get more out of them. And if, if you feel that you can't, then the players are going to have to go. You've got to get players in that, that believe they can and, and want to, which is, which is a massive thing. How proud are you of, of people like Matty Blair that you managed that, that then went on and, and have made a good career for themselves in the football league? James Meredith as well. It must make you really proud to kind of see their careers develop. Yeah, lovely. Absolutely lovely. And, and you know, what lovely men as well. What lovely men they, you know, and, 
I think that a lot of the York supporters, because I tried to do that as well, you know, to sort of players getting in with the fans in York, in and around York. And I think they got to know them. Footballers can get bad press for whatever reason and, and stuff. So, you know, again, not only me, but the players had a good a good camaraderie with, with the supporters. They got to know the players. I knew that they were respectful. So I knew the players could go out and they would do the club proud in the way that they would treat treat people. So for them to go on and, and do what they've done in done in the game, you know, I'm so so proud of them. So so proud of them. you know, as them at York and then I say I just mentioned Gates said, you know, one more time that the players there, you know, the the players that come out the, the Northern Premier and then the players that come out of the conference north and they were bottom of, of the conference, the same players. If you'd have watched us that year, we were incredible the way we played. You know, like we did at York, we played and played and played. And, you know, they went on. And let me say now, yes, I wouldn't have taken all of them into the Football League if we'd have won at Wembley. But a lot of them players that wouldn't even think they could play in the conference would have been playing in, in the Football League because they, they were good enough. Incredible. So, you know, that, that type of thing, to see players go on and get the best out of themselves. That's the most important thing. We'd all have a level. There's no point saying, you know, you go and play in the Premiership when, you know, and again, I try and be honest with them and say, I, I, I always ask them the question, actually, if players listen to this, I'll say to them, where do you, where do you think you can play level-wise? Well, I think I could play League One, Gaffer. And this is where we're in the conference. And I say, well, why aren't you playing League One then? Well, I didn't really get the chance and that manager didn't like me. And, and I says, you've just come out with five excuses. So are you going to let that manager who told you you can't? Are you going to let this reason and that reason and that reason why you can't get to League One? So you show me that you can get to League One. Show me that you can get to League One and play at that level. And you'll either do it with me here at York or someone's going to come and pay good money for you to go and play in League One. So that that is so important to me. And these some of these players, you know, have done, done exactly that. It's amazing now when you ask them, so it's like a player a knock on my door that I've not been playing. And I said, come in, what's, what's up with this thing? You know, why aren't I playing, Gaffer? You know, I should be in the team. I'm not. And I go, well, why, why do you think you're not in the team at the minute? Well, to be honest, I, you know, I've not been great sort of the last two or three games. I says, there you go. If you just answer your own question, now get out my door, get out of my office, get through that door. And, and it's about being on it. It's about, you know, I'd rather a player knock on my door and go, Gaffer, I know I haven't been playing that well lately, but I'm going to show you why I should be in the team. And and that's the type of mentality I like to get. And, I, and that's what I had at York. That's what I had. How has management changed over the years? Because obviously you've, you've managed a long time. Uh, well, how has it changed from that, that first job you had at Grantham? Well, it's changed in a way, and I've been fortunate. And probably probably the worst I had it was the, the group I inherited at York, the last when I went back, that player power now, and it's almost like it's not the manager. The manager's just there to, to, to pick the team, but not man-manage them because players just go, you know what, I don't want to play for you. you know? So I think, I think that the, the player power and the management that's been taken away from the, the manager to actually do his job is, is massive now. And then, believe it or not, at the level we're talking, you, know, you can probably see it in the premiership, the things happening, and, but it does happen down in, in that level as well. So, you know, you have to be, be strong. It's a shame that that's, take, that's taken away. But I think when you look at that, isn't that happening in life in general? You know, it's the respect now you don't have for, for the elderly now, or you know, I'll probably come in that category, the elderly now, going on 60, is not there. And it's, it, and it's, it's a shame. You know, why? It's like the discipline's been taken away, really. Do you think, um, you know, we mentioned Cluffy in the, in the first interview. Do you think he would have struggled in this day and age, then, the way his management style? No. It has still been no. all right? In fact, I wish he was still alive and go and sort a few of these out. Yeah, Do I don't think he'd, he'd have taken too much too well to agents. No. <laughs> no, he wouldn't have, no. They, they were sort of starting to creep in, sort of back end. No, he used to, um, he, wouldn't have, uh, he wouldn't have any mess. He'd, he'd sort them out, but again, you know what? He sort them out in a way, probably wouldn't be diplomatic, probably do it in a way that I wouldn't do it, probably do it in a way that nobody else ever would have done it. 
but you know what it'll be it'll be true what he'd be saying it'll be true what he'd be saying and you know people that have got anything about themselves would in the end turn around and go you know what i find it hard to say that but he's right what he's saying and that's the hardest thing for anybody to do nobody likes being told all the time but if you accept it then i think you're going to be not only a better man but you know a better person at what you do and just finally just two questions to finish off who's the best player that you've ever managed that might be a tricky one well that is a tricky one that is a tricky one i i, I think i think it'd be i think it'd be unfair to pick to pick one out matty blair done something at your that was was incredible not only for him but for for the football club he epitomized in a player in fact you know this sounds I don't know, but I like to think when I played, I was, you know, I worked hard. I was good at what I'd done, you know, and that's what Matty was, you know. That's, he'd done exactly that. I could, I could sit here and, and read out every name in that 2012 season and go, every one of them players are the best player that I've managed. Every single one of them. They, they still to the, you know, it'll never go away. It's still what, what they achieved. And it doesn't matter what level. You know, conference is a is a tough level. On, on a nearly on a par with League Two, nearly. So for them to go and and, and done what they done. So every single every single one of them, I had some good players at, at Tamworth that went on to play in the football league. A lad called Bradley Pritchard went played for Charlton. Beautiful player. He was a oh, he was, his, his technique of the the man was and, and what a lovely lovely man he was as well. So but I'm not going to pick one out. And what I'm going to say to you is, my answer is the squad of. 2012 good answer diplomatic and uh yeah final one who who's the best well, it's sort of a almost like a two-prong one really who's the best player you've played with and against in your playing career well i've been i've been lucky you know to to break into that forest side at, at 16 you know to have shilton behind you in goal and then you've got larry lloyd you've got kenny burns you've got frank clark you've got viv anderson you've got john mcgovern you've got ian bowyer you've got john robertson Trevor Francis, Gary Bertles, Martin O'Neill, you know, all them were like to play with in, incredible, incredible players. John Robertson, and I think most of us give the, the answer for, for somebody, you know, who wasn't quick. Did you ever have the privilege of seeing him play? No, uh, too oh, young. Get, get the videos, get the <laughs> videos. YouTube it. <laughs> well, it's not videos now, is it? YouTube. <laughs> but John was like, is the only player I've seen when the ball come to him, he wasn't looking at the ball. He wasn't looking at the floor. He had both feet. He was like a magician. He was a, a magician with it. So, you know, Robbo was an incredible player. But I played with, played with a lot of good players. I went to Leicester. Gary McAllister was there. You know, you could see just how good, just how good Gary was. A lot, a lot of good players. I always answer this one, the artist to play against. Because I used to play, like, we always played 4-4-2 back in the day. And, I was always right wing and Stuart Pearce was a left back. Remember him. Remember him. <laughs> so he was always, you know, he was tough. Tough. But the, the, the thing was then, he, he then come to Forest. So I had sort of four four years with, with Pearcey. So I sort of, you know, played played against him and played played with him. I'm sure I so know which one you'd rather. <laughs> just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> he was, you know, he was, he was a great leader. Love, great bloke. And the, the passion... You know, even on the training field. There's the one thing I'm going to go off a little bit. When we was at Forest, and I tried again, this is what I try and do with my teams, is, like I say, we didn't practice any corners, any free kicks. Basically, you speak to the Liverpool team of the late 70s, early 80s, and speak to the Forest team. We used to jog down the side of the Trent, and that was like part of our warm-up, and the coach would say, run around the pitch four times. We'd run around the pitch four times to get slightly warm. They said, right, we'll pick the teams now, 8v8. And we used to play 8v8 every day. But when we played 8v8, it was like playing a game. And there was no holding back. So it was like, you know, you're getting lumps kicked out of you in training. It was for real. And all that was like so intense and so passionate from the, from the, from the players. And we used to sometimes train, train for, for an hour, Dan, you know. and then But in winter... When we, when we do it, if Cluffy, because he wasn't always there, sometimes you wouldn't see him all week till quarter three, match day. Wow. But if he did come down and it was cold, he'd say, put the ball away, let's go and have a, let's go and have a bowl of soup and a cup of coffee and a calf. And he used to take us to a calf rather than train. So, you know, we talk about man management and I could never copy that man, ever. 
but what you take from him and what I've done, I've done that, but I would never change who I am as a, as a, as a person. I wouldn't want to be like him because he, he could be not the nicest man sometimes. But, you know, people, whether they, people always question or, or want to know why you do certain things. And it's brought me success the way that I've done it. When some chairman does like pickled eggs and knows that I do and thinks he's going to give me a job, then, you know, I'm not going to change. I'm going to do it, do it exactly, exactly how I believe I can get success and, and get the best out of players. Well, Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I've, I've loved speaking to you um, and I hope you do get that opportunity again. So if there's any chairman out there who likes pickled eggs and are listening to this, give this man a call. Thanks <laughs> oh, very much, Gary. Cheers, mate. Gary Mills there speaking to York Hospital Ball. Hope you enjoyed that. Personally found it so refreshing to hear Gary speak so passionately about the club. Even after what's happened, he clearly still has a real strong affinity and I think that will never change. Also, a massive thank you to everyone who's listened to the last two episodes of Gary Mills. It seems lots of people didn't actually know about the podcast and a lot more people have started listening and and I've seen a massive interest in the the kind of back catalogue of episodes we've got. So, you know, spread the word if you can. Also, real big thank you to those people who've donated to the charity. Just a reminder, it's uh, www.justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. Those donations do make a huge difference to the charity, obviously. Charities are struggling in this uh, current climate. Um, so every every little bit that you can contribute does, does help and makes a huge difference. We've managed to record another couple of specials as well, so keep looking out for those. Um, so in the meantime, thanks again for listening. See you again soon. <laughs>